I love wine, but sometimes it can get really expensive, which is why I'm so excited that today's episode is brought to you by Last Bottle Wines. If you don't know, they're a Napa-based online wine shop with a twist. They offer just one hand-picked wine per day until it sells out, which is often in hours. So new day, new wine, always at incredible prices. We're talking 30 to 70% off retail. And the best part is that there's no subscriptions, no fees, and no minimum purchase. Just a daily email with a really great wine. They're offering Datable listeners 10% off your first order with code Datable. And now is such a great time to join as their marathon sale is coming up on March 28th and 29th. They flip that one-day rule on its head and offer back-to-back deals, which means that wines are only up on the site for a couple minutes at a time and shipping is 100% free. They send us a mini marathon package of some of their favorites and let me tell you, they were delicious. Sign up at lastbottlewines.com and use the code DATABLE and find out why Last Bottle is the most fun way to discover and buy amazing wine. We are so thrilled to be partnering with Hinge. Hinge is the dating app designed to be deleted. As you all know, I'm a huge Hinge advocate as I met my partner of almost three years on the app. Even before meeting him, Hinge was always my go-to app because I met more relationship-minded people here and had some great dates. Clearly, I haven't been on the app for a little while, but I re-downloaded it to check out some of the new features. One that stood out to me was the voice prompt, my best friend's take on why you should date me, where your friend can hype you up. Not only does this make the profile creation less daunting, but it's not always easy to see your own green flags. So to test it out, I asked UA some fun prompts to get her take on what I could put if I was dating again. So the first one, how long have we known each other? What was your first impression of me and how has that changed? Julie and I have known each other for almost 10 years. My first impression of Julie was that she's very social, but I've learned that she has a lot more depth to her beyond the social butterfly that she is. My next prompt, what do you think are my green flags? I would say she's deeply loyal. She believes in love, curious mindset, and she is fearlessly ambitious. And then last but not least, what kind of friend am I? Julie is the kind of friend who will always have your back, no matter what. Damn, that feels nice to hear. So download Hinge and try voice prompts today. Then find someone worth deleting the app for. The Dateable Podcast is an insider's look into modern dating that the Huffington Post calls one of the top 10 podcasts about love and sex. On each episode, we'll talk to real daters about everything from sex parties to sex droughts, date fails to diaper fetishes, and first moves to first loves. I'm your host, Yue Xu, former dating coach turned dating sociologist. You'll also hear from my co-host and producer, Julie Kraftchik, as we explore this crazy dateable world. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Dateable, where we dig into the whys of people's behavior when it comes to modern dating. Last week's episode was a fire, complete fire. (laughs) People love Jeff Harry and his whole spiel about why we need to bring play back. Making dating fun again. Making dating fun again. Yes. I think there was such an overwhelming response. And I think that's really showing that this is actually a problem for a lot of people, that it doesn't feel fun. It feels like a chore. Such a great reminder Mm -hmm. because people 
treat dating like it's they treat dating like this employer who's mistreating right. them and we're all like disgruntled employees and that's not the case dating should be so much fun if you haven't listened to that episode or if you want to listen to it again we highly encourage you to do that i feel like i listened to it three times now and each time i have a different idea my creative juices just start flowing and it just inspires me to do something different that day well totally i think it's great like if you're in a relationship to add that playful and fun and adventure and i think this year is a reminder that all we really have is the present day i love what jeff said about how you know we take for granted that we have this luxury to go out with people and do stuff and you know maybe in a future life of ours we're not going to have that luxury to just go out Mm. to dinner go to a bar do whatever and meet new people and all that so I think we need to appreciate what we have and I think a lot of times we're always looking for like what we don't have and how do we fill that Mm. so it's really important I think it ties in 100% with this week's episode that you know it's kind of like grass is greener we're talking to Alice who talks about how like marriage wasn't the be all and end all. Marriage is not the end all be all. (laughs) Marriage is this elusive idea where people think that once you get married, your story is complete Mm -hmm. and happiness is guaranteed. Or you feel like there's some kind of safety net that's guaranteed. My mom always says that too. If you're mm-hmm. you're not married, how can you ensure that your partner doesn't stray? Well, people stray all the time right. in marriages too. It's insane that people think that just because you get that certificate, your relationship is solid and it's not. So Alice will prove, mm-hmm. you'll see in her interview, that marriage is not the end all be all for her and it may not be the end all be all for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. I definitely was actually at dinner with some friends this last night and this came up, like reiterated, I'm like, I totally agree that this is not, you know, the safety net that we all think it is. But one thing that I actually listened to when I was re-listening to the episode, because you and I always re-listen to the episodes to hear how they sound and you know we also get a lot of you know learnings ourselves from them for sure and one of the things that actually I heard myself say it and I was like oh my god I like kind of cringed when I said it it was actually about like the Asian hate crimes that we were talking Mm -hmm. about and thank you first of all you sent me like this virtual event that May Lee spoke at this week so I think it was really good for me to go to that and I did notice that I was probably like one of the only white people in the crowd too Mm. so um, what made me cringe when I said it was how this conversation is not coming up with my white friends, which is true. But what I thought about it is I was like, I should be the one bringing it up. Like that is how mm-hmm. I can be an ally and how I can do it. It's not good enough to just be like, oh, it's not coming up. And I think that is what's happening right now is that it's only in these Asian circles. It's not really m- mainstream and widespread. And that's kind of what happened with BLM that it turned out like they're like, no, we need white people. We need Asian people. We need Hispanic people mm-hmm. to be our allies. So it was it was a reflection for me hearing that words come out of my mouth. Yeah, and I think sometimes it happens with dating too. We just morph ourselves into the partners that we engage with, people we go on dates with, when we should insert ourselves a little bit more. Mm-hmm. What matters to you the most right now? What is top of mind? And there's nothing wrong with bringing that up, even in circles that you don't feel like it's top of mind for them, because they probably should be aware of what's happening. Totally. It goes back to like the fun and 
dating too. If you're going on a date and the conversation is, you know, feeling depressing, you're going down a rabbit hole, try to change the tune. Like, why not? Mm -hmm. Before just dismissing the person or saying like, this was another bad date, at least give it your all. I think I'm going to start to do that from now on. Like I referenced a date that I went on that was like definitely a little bit of a doom and gloom coming from Mm -hmm. the other person. They just really weren't ready to be dating. And I think I definitely fell into the trap myself instead of being like, how could I turn this around? Like, how could I make this more of an experience between the two of us? And maybe we would have had a different outcome if I had done that. It's it takes a lot of effort. It does. Yeah. I've started implementing Jeff's his advice of constantly asking, how can I make my day even better? Mm -hmm. And I love that question because I've been doing that the last two days. I was in a bunch of interviews um, for work and I was just like falling asleep, basically, because you're just saying the same things over and over again. And then I had a moment of saying, how can I make this conversation even better? And I brought in something more interesting. And I was like, damn it, why don't I do this in every aspect of my life where I can steer the conversation in a direction that pleases me, that makes it more interesting for me? Right. And then you then at least, you know, too, when you've hit that wall that it can't get any better, you know, kind of like what we're talking about today in this, there sometimes comes a point that things aren't working out for you mm-hmm. and it's time to like move on with your life and you know have a different life and we will we'll get into our whole guest story she has a phenomenal story that we will not honestly not even do diligence to start saying it ourselves so we're gonna let her talk with it but I think just like the way she's like vibrating now and the energy she's putting out there sometimes like you do need to close a chapter to make room for other things exactly I was just thinking about that having you been on dates where you thought what would make this state better is if I went home (laughs) and watched Netflix. Took a long shower. That happened to me recently. And I was like, you know, he's like, let's go get ice cream. And I'm like, I'm really tired. No, you know. And then I was like, oh, my God, it's 830. <laughs> it's like COVID time is like totally different, especially. Uh, I mean, it's San Francisco when you're doing like all outdoor stuff. I feel like I yes, don't know if like so other cool. I'm sure other cities are experiencing this, too. It's like when you used to go to dinner, I went to dinner last night at 830. And Ooh, yeah, rebel. It was the only time we could get this reservation. My friends are like, that's kind of late and I'm like okay but back in the day 8 30 was a totally normal time to eat totally like we would yes. never go to dinner at 5 30 p.m yet that is what we're doing today right because things close at nine so yeah. you gotta or get your cold. meal in. it gets colder you gotta like yeah. take advantage of the warmer time but yeah I was like um this feels like a totally invalid excuse but to me I, I felt drained and I was like I really just want to go home like that was mm-hmm. what I wanted and you're right sometimes that is and I love what Jeff actually just to like kind of quickly recap last week like he said if play fails that's also a positive because you know it's not the match yes absolutely and this happens in relationships like with our guest alice sometimes you think like what's going to make this relationship better is if we both get the fuck out (laughs) right like we could be happier and it sounds like they have a better relationship today than they even did back then but we are super excited that jeff harry is actually going to be our guest for the dateable after show this month so he's gonna help us all put this into practice i loved actually we saw some people um janice led the charge here in our group the ex 
exercise that Jeff walked us through that I actually mm-hmm, did with mm-hmm. you, UA, about like, you know, when do you come most alive and how do I, like, what, value what values do I yeah. bring to your life? But I think yeah. he's going to help us facilitate a lot more exercises and ways that we can bring our playful nature into dates. So I'm super excited. Louise, our events producer, is working with him. They're friends to begin with. So it's going to be a phenomenal event. And Louise has a podcast all about play. So she's been in the space and they're going to make this workshop. I'm going to call it a workshop because it's going to be very interactive. It is next Thursday, the 22nd. It is only available for sounding board members who are at the friends with benefits level or above. If you don't know what we're talking about, all you need to do is just go to our website, (laughs) datablepodcast.com slash sounding board, get all the info or DM us on Instagram. We're happy to answer any questions you have. If you want to upgrade your tier in the sounding board too for this event, you can, you're free to do that. Mm -hmm. We're more than happy to have you upgrade to that. And it's going to be a phenomenal event. But before that event, this coming Thursday, Julie and I are doing our monthly community live stream. It's free. It's going to be in the Facebook group, Love in the Time of Corona. We shoot the shit for 30 minutes, but we're also introducing you all to our newest member of the month. Mm -hmm. Uh, We won't reveal who that is. But last last um, last month we had Ryan, if you guys all remember, but and he revealed and he revealed his now boyfriend <laughs> during Double the live reveal. stream. So you never know. You never, you never know. know what could happen during these live streams. I'm super excited to announce this month's winner because I think they really do show the values of the community for sure. So just mm-hmm. for anyone that's new, if you if you've heard this a zillion times, you can just nod your head and move on. But we have our free Love in the Time of Corona group. This is the public group. This is about Mm -hmm. 1,600 members strong. People still are super supportive, super personal, all of that. But then we also have the the sounding board, which is the premium group. And that's where, you know, people really are forming these deep friendships and they're tuning in for happy hours every week and podcast discussion groups and the dateable after shows and all of that where they're really getting to know each other. Like, I'm so excited. Um, One of our community members, Caitlin, is actually planning to come out to San Francisco in the next couple weeks. So hopefully... Is she really? Yes. Caitlin? Yeah, so hopefully we'll get to meet some people, start to meet people in the flesh, which is really exciting. Like, I think a lot of, um, she's like, I'm definitely hitting up the dateable fam to see who's around and who can hang out. And yeah, it's going to be, I think, I'm just constantly amazed by the friendships that are formed. And we talked about this last week, like community and belonging is so core to dating and relationships. Mm-hmm. It's a relationship in itself. Uh, can we just pimp out Caitlin as well? I mean, <laughs> love you, Caitlin. Thank you for all the feedback and thank you for being so engaged in the community and for just your sound advice a lot of the times. Your pictures of you master dating all the time. <laughs> it's very inspirational. You join the community, find Caitlin. She's she fantastic. is also super, super passionate about inclusion. And she put up a really mm. great post actually of how people can start addressing people in a non-binary way. And I loved it. There were some really good ones on there that was like, hey, epic humans or like all these different ways that you can reach out to people or y'all or like different ways that are just like non-gender basis. Oh, I can't wait. If anybody has expertise in this field, and especially when it comes to dating, we would love to mm-hmm. talk to you about it. Inclusion and dating, what does that mean? And how can we shift our mindset? My friend just started dating someone who is pansexual, uh, gender fluid, 
adaptive and uh, what was the, with the fourth one? Um, uh, college for life. And just mm. those four things all together, I was, my mind was blown. I'm like, how do I think about this differently? What does adaptive mean? Wheelchair. Oh, okay. College for life. That just means you're like yeah. a lo- lifelong learner? Yeah, lifelong okay. learner. I don't know. It's like a blank canvas. Anything goes. You know what's really funny? I'm trying to pull it up, but there was a post actually in the Facebook group about like new acronyms or things you're seeing in dating profiles. Oh, and there I was see this. Um, there was one that okay, this is what it was. Dink. Do you know what? The, guess what dink means? If you had a guess, dink. <laughs> um. Wait. 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 Uh. Is it? It's not going to be is what you think. Someone, is it someone who's a twink, but also... Wait, what's a twink? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm going to have my gay friends explain <laughs> that one because I will definitely fuck it up. Is it... Uh, okay, no, I, I really give up. Okay, it's, you're never going to guess it. It's dual income, no kids. No. <laughs> I know. I was like, that apparently is like a thing that people are putting in their profiles. There's also, I mean, this one's pretty like um, standard. So you'll probably know this one, but GGG. Do you know what that is? GGG. Girls. No. No, I don't know. You know, I actually had to look it up because I was seeing it so often, especially on Tinder, actually. Uh It's good giving in game. So it's basically like you're sexually open. What? Yeah. But it's G-G-G? not it's not necessarily like you're sexually non-monogamous or anything like that. It's just that you're like down sexually. And I'm like, hey, someone's giving and down sexually, that might not be the worst thing. <laughs> I'm down with that. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. These terms. Okay. We got to do a whole episode on the newest terms coming out. Dink. I don't think I would have ever get if I saw dink on a profile, I would not know what that (laughs) meant. That is not what it sounds like at all. Yeah, I would think it was something negative. Yeah, totally. Totally. Anyways, uh, we will be Anyways. we will be exploring all this and more on the live stream. And also on personal note, I'm super excited that you're going to be back in San Francisco next I'll week. Be back you're, next week. I feel like you have like this. I want to say it's like your pita chair, but it's not really. It's like your boyfriend's place. It's kind of it's like my boyfriend's place your that I just call my yeah, pita chair. <laughs> your boat just live in the double city lifestyle. <laughs> It's so great. Yeah, it's, uh, it's you know, I like to tell people, I like to tell people I have two places. <laughs> yeah, you got your, you know, like your one month here, one month my, there. It's my nice. Vacation, my vacation home in San Francisco. <laughs> it's nice. It's I'm nice. excited to see you. Julie and I are going to treat ourselves to a nice dinner, just so you all know, because we're... <laughs> We also go on dates. Yes. We also go on dates, and it's about time we spend some money on each other. That's true. That's true. Sometimes you got a master date, but sometimes you got a friend date, you know? Yes. Or, you know, or dual master date. No, I feel like, Uh, no. I mean, you and and I also kind of have like a relationship in itself that we are like business partners, like more than I think we ever realized when we started this podcast. We share a bank account. That's pretty aggressive. Oh my gosh. I've never shared a bank account with anybody. I know. This is a huge step. Now I'm scared. I mean, it's actually kind of amazing that it's been five years and we're still like, you know, as good as what we started. But we really like you really yeah. don't know. Like when we first started this, we we're like, hey, it's a hobby. We're just going to do it. It's going to be shooting the shit. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's 
It's funny, last night I met someone and I was telling them about the podcast and he was like, oh, how long have you been doing it for? And I said, five years. And he pulled up our Apple podcast page and he's like, has it been with the same girl? I'm like, yes, it has. <laughs> We've been monogamous for five years. Yeah, but we did have we did have a, uh, a, th- a third. We had a third, yes. We had, we had a unicorn. We also had a weird stage where we were testing some third people. <laughs> I don't know. I, I just like happened them. to actually listen to an old episode, and I was like, "Wow, our podcast really sounds like a different podcast back then." It's kind of amazing. I totally forgot that we were, yeah, we were dating other people. We were dating around. We were dating around, and you know, like I definitely started more on the back end of things mm-hmm. too. Yeah. So the the original. I love that we're getting on this conversation because <laughs> it's bringing up old memories. When we first started this, it was me and this male co-host. Mm-hmm. His name is Michael, and still, my his name is still Michael. <laughs> it has not changed. His name is Michael, and we thought it was like I, I just think about old school radio shows mm-hmm. where there's always a producer in the background yelling out remarks and adding color. So Julie was that person. Mm-hmm. Julie was our producer, but she would every once in a while be like, "Ask, I don't understand. Ask more about that. Or I don't agree with that. So was, she was a color commentary. And we quickly realized that we should give her a mic because she had a lot to say in the episodes. <laughs> so when we transitioned from Michael, uh, we, we just gave Julie a mic and we we're like, why don't we just become co-hosts? Why are we you know doing this? What it is, and we talked. To, I actually put up a post about this on International Women's Day. I think both of mm. you thought, uh, both of both of you, both of us, <laughs> all two of both us, both of us. Because I mean, you and I were always like the business arm behind it, anyways. Like even though we had mm-hmm. these rotating other people, they were kind of just there to chat more and. um well, I think you and I thought was that we needed a male voice. Yes. We thought like, yes. and I think actually this revelation hit me with the show Morning Show with Jennifer Aniston. Yes. Where they basically like had her and Steve Carell and then he got like sexual harassment suits, had to leave. And then she yes. replaced him with we- Reese Witherspoon. So it was two women hosts. And that was like mm-hmm. unseen of in TV because it was always the man and the woman. And mm-hmm. I think you and I had that in our mind that we needed this male and this female. And then I think we also thought we needed people that were like dating coaches and experts Mm -hmm. and there was or like because Michael was a dating coach had Mm -hmm. that background so I think we thought that and what we quickly realized with podcasts was this was giving anyone a voice you did not have Mm -hmm. to have this background there were so many female duos popping up it did not have to be this stereotypical like balance and I think what we realized too when we were doing all this testing is that a lot of them felt very unnatural with you because it just felt forced and you and I are just friends so it worked like because we're such good friends it's just natural yeah and the other issue with male and female co-hosting is that you end up in these buckets where you're representing your gender which you're not right so we kept asking michael like what's the male perspective well it's not really the male perspective it's michael's (laughs) perspective so when you have two women it's not so much like we're representing all women it's just we're representing our own our own beliefs and people believe that totally i think we were underselling men to think that we could have that all wrapped up in one man's voice like there's no way yeah no way no way no way <laughs> oh, we've come a long way our relationship has evolved so much 
And you'll this. I'm going to tie this back to this episode because we're going to bring it back. Bring it back. This intro's <laughs> over, guys. <laughs> thanks for thanks for sitting through all of this. It was like a therapy session for me. We're, we're going to bring it back because every relationship goes through so many evolutions. It's constantly changing. But as long as the people involved in the relationship continue to be passionate about their journey and to mm-hmm. be to um, really believe in each other and believe in what they're creating together, the relationship will go in a place that's supposed to go. And that's what this episode is about. When two people are no longer willing to be on this journey together, time to get out and find yourself. No shame. No shame. Moving on to our newest segment, Dateable Advice where we dole out dating advice <laughs> to the best of our ability. Here's a question, and we've gotten this. I always say this, but it's true. We gather the most popular questions. So this was asked by more than one person. My partner and I have been together for a while, and we've been trying to work things out. At what point do you call it quits, or do you say, let's keep working harder? Hmm. Something to that degree in in variations of that. I mean, I think we'll up top we'll say each thing just depends on the specific people, of course. Mm-hmm. But I think it's like, have you gone to therapy? Have you like got had like an intermediary come in too and kind of see the relationship as a whole and not just, you know, like the built up resentment that each of you have or why it's not working? Like, have you tried to put your foot forward of how you can make this work? Like how you can shift your like way of thinking. And I think also like, have you tried to bring back the fun that might be missing? Like when we think about early times when you met, what attracted you to this person? What did you mm-hmm. what did you used to do together? And what does that look like now? Like has your life just changed so much that you don't have that anymore? Is there a way to still incorporate it? All of that. I think I read somewhere that the reason why most I mean there's obviously a lot of reasons why relationships don't work out like financial and you know all the different things there but one of the big ones was that people stop being curious about their partner they stop mm-hmm. dating their partner like in early stages you're just like you want to know everything about this person and you're just so excited to see them and to learn more and then over time you're like i already know this person we're nothing new to learn and that's when it becomes mm-hmm. complacent so can you bring that back is what i would say Yeah, I love bringing back the curiosity. I would just ask two questions. One is, we see this with a lot of disgruntled couples is they keep saying stuff like, well, we've done this, this, and this. They list all the things that they've tried already. But then I would ask, what haven't you tried? Mm -hmm. So maybe move away from that list of things you've done and start a list of things that you should be doing or could be exploring. And the second question is, have you done your best? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, can you say, I did everything I could and I did my best? And if that you can honestly say, yes, I've tried my best and it's still not working, it's time to say goodbye mm-hmm. then. We're not in the business of telling people to break up, but there is a tipping point where you either have tried enough and your partner, you and your partner are just no longer compatible and you've gone in separate directions, or maybe there's still a little bit more room to push that relationship forward. But once you get past that tipping point, there's no turning back. So right. you just got to find find that tipping point. Yeah, I think it's a good rule of thumb to always walk out of any situation being like, did I give it my all? Because at least you know that I did give it as much as I possibly could. And you've tried. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, cool. hopefully that helps some people out there. <laughs> and if not, you can just keep listening to this episode because there's a lot of really great advice in it. 
Um, Okay, so before we get into the episode, let's do a quick break for our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by Rothy's. Have you heard about this company making stylish, sustainable shoes and bags? They're carefully crafted with eco-friendly materials like repurposed plastic water bottles and marine plastic. In case you haven't heard of them, they're called Rothy's. Their shoes offer zero break-in period due to their seamlessly knit-to-shape design. I opted for the navy houndstooth in the point style because they're so chic looking that I could wear them to work or a night out. And they're also really comfortable because they're flats. Not to mention, they're versatile as well. I've worn mine with skirts, slacks, jeans, and dresses. Rothy's are available in a range of styles and come in an ever-changing array of colors, prints, and patterns. Finding the perfect style is easy because Rothy's come with free shipping and free returns on eligible items. And another reason to support this company, they've transformed nearly 100 million bottles into their beautiful products. Check out all the amazing shoes, bags, and masks available right now at rothys.com slash datable. That's R-O-T-H-Y-S dot com slash D-A-T-E-A-B-L-E. Style and sustainability meet to create your new favorites. Head to rothys.com slash datable today. We would also like to thank Kensington Books for sponsoring this episode. Our latest book highlight is called The Most Eligible Viscount in London. In best-selling author Ella Quinn's intriguing new book, a dashing suitor must decide if love and marriage are mutually exclusive. Viscount Gavin Turley is convinced that love matches cause nothing but trouble. Still, after months of courting, he's fallen in love for Miss Georgie Featherton and plans on proposing to her. However, he doesn't plan on saying the words, I love you. The words of love are not an indulgence he will allow himself. Without a declaration of love, Georgie can only reject his offer. Seems fair, right? Mm, Not if her family members have anything to say about it. Get more deets on the most eligible Viscount in London by going to kensingtonbooks.com or wherever books are sold. Awesome. So let's get into Alice's story. So we talk about marriage quite a bit on this podcast. Is this something that people want? Is it the end all be all? And honestly, I think people don't think about marriage, what it entails after you get married. They Mm -hmm. they think about the road to marriage. The wedding. The wedding, the (laughs) engagement, the proposal. And then you just have kids and then you live happily ever after or you're miserable. I mean, there's also this notion that once you get married, you don't have sex and then you just like live like roommates. But nobody thinks about what it takes to make a marriage work and whether after you get married, you decide if marriage is actually something you want or not. So our guest today lived through it all with marriage. And I would say that she thought marriage was probably the end game, like many of us, and was pleasantly surprised by what she discovered afterwards. So I think now is a good time to introduce Alice. She is 40, loving it. She currently lives in Portland, (laughs) originally from California, Sacramento area. She is divorced. I could I say happily divorced? <laughs> Technically not divorced yet. The papers have been oh. filed, though. Okay. okay. <laughs> Great. <laughs> so close to being divorced. Very close to being divorced. <laughs> I met someone the other day. I was like, oh, what's your relationship status? She's like, happily divorced. <laughs> that was her status. I'm like, wow, that's an interesting way to put it. She's in a friends with benefits relationship right now. It's monogamous yet casual. Alice, yes. how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. 
Thanks for coming on. We're definitely (laughs) super excited to hear your story in more depth. I mean, from what I understand is you were married. I I guess technically you're still married. (laughs) You have kids with your partner. And you filed for divorce, and now you're you're in a situation where you're co-parenting, living under the same roof, but not as a married couple. That's right. Um, (laughs) So we live in a duplex side by side. Um, So technically, yes, it is the same roof. There is a wall (laughs) dividing our two units. But yeah, we live there. We had a door installed between the two sides of the duplex so our kids could go back and forth multiple times a day. We have family dinners every night do holidays together, but we are not romantically involved. And in a couple of weeks, we will be officially divorced. Wait, how long have you been under this arrangement separated? We've been separated for two years. We've been living in the duplex for a year and a half. Okay. Why is the time from separation to divorce been so long? Right. I think it was just kind of laziness. There was no (laughs) motivating reason to get divorced because We enjoy each other's company sufficiently. We're planning on continuing to live here. So the only reason to get divorced was really to make us more eligible for dating other people because, you know, Mm. people don't want to date separated people normally. Mm. Yeah, it just felt like this was finally the right time to make it official and get divorced for real. (laughs) Let's back up for a sec. Let's talk about your marriage. When did you get married? And what happened in the meantime for you to be in this situation? Right. Oh, it's a long story. So um, we met (laughs) the first week of freshman year of college. So I was 18. He was 17. We dated for seven years. We got married um, in our mid-20s. Five years later, we had kids. So we have two elementary-aged kids. And our sex life just kind of took a slow decline. This was 20 years of relationship Mm -hmm. and marriage. And sex just kind of did not stay at the same high level it started at in college, obviously. Right. (laughs) And so for a long time, we just kind of put up with it because we had a good partnership. Life was good. So we just kind of came to live with the fact that sex wasn't great. But then at the beginning of 2018, my husband came to me and told me that he had developed feelings for a co-worker. And so that kind of launched two years of rethinking what our relationship was going to be. So when he told you that, like, had he acted on it? Or was it more just like, oh, my God, I actually have a feeling. And now this brings up stuff. Right. So it was early stages. He had feelings and they had um, cuddled at a company Mm. retreat. I mean, on the spectrum of things a spouse can do with somebody outside the marriage, it's minor, but still it, you know, broke my heart to hear that. Like, Totally out of the blue. Yeah, it probably made you both stop and be like, if he's doing this, what's missing in our relationship? Right. And we had had discussions before that he was unsatisfied with the amount of sex that we were having. We Mm. both knew it was an issue. We'd tried to fix it. Mostly me just trying to have sex more to keep him happy. Mm. Um, But this was kind of the final like, uh uh-oh, crap, our marriage is not going to survive this. Now there's like a person outside the marriage that he's interested in. We can't just keep kind of floating along how we've been doing it for 20 years. And when you say the sex was declining, can you give us a number around that? Frequency wise? (laughs) Right. So uh, it was usually once a month. And that was me just kind of making myself have sex to Mm. keep the marriage moderately good. And I know like people always say that like, you know, there's always like a deeper reason usually why you don't want to have sex. Like what was it for you that made you be like, I'm doing this out of obligation, basically? Right. But I've spent a lot of time thinking about that. (laughs) I think it was resentment. So 
when we first started a relationship, sex was fun. I liked it. And then it kind of felt like a chore. I didn't feel loved. It came mm. to realize that we have different love languages, which I didn't even know about when we got married. Yeah, who knew that when you're yeah, in your right? 20s? 18, right? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yes. So just kind of the piling on of me spending all day taking care of the kids and then feeling like sex was another chore I had to do at the end of the day. And just, yeah, it became not something I wanted to do, but I felt like I had to do it to keep things good in our marriage. Yeah. I mean, that's never a good thing to feel like you have to have sex to keep no. a marriage going, especially <laughs> if that meant having sex once a month. Right. That's so crazy to me. But you didn't know any better. You were college sweethearts. Did you date much before him? I mean, even if you did, it probably wasn't exactly like adult right. dating. Right. I had a couple boyfriends in high school. But yeah, this was my first adult relationship. And we kind of grew up together. Like we learned mm. how to do marriage together. And, you know, we didn't have all the information until we started ending it. And then we read a lot of books and learned a lot of things. So we had this guest on, and I'm not trying to call your husband this by any means, but we have this guest, Matthew Frey. He basically had this article like an open letter to shitty husbands. And I'm not trying to call your husband <laughs> <No>. shitty because <laughs> I don't know him at all. But his point was that like women leave because they get frustrated by all like the emotional labor that they have to mm. do. Yeah. And it comes as a surprise sometimes to men because they don't see it, at least in the heterosexual situations he was referring to. Like, did you feel that emotional labor? Like, I'd love to hear more about that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it was the standard, like preparing dinner every night, taking care of kids, school, work, and, you know, just kind of doing the background work that men sometimes don't think about. Mm -hmm. And he wasn't really like contributing to that. that I mean, on the scale of like bad husband to awesome husband, he was doing okay. He was trying and he mm. wanted an equal marriage, but there were just some things that neither of us really stopped to think, are we splitting things up fairly? And you were stay at home, right? You were staying at right. home. Right. I stay at home from when um, my older son was born up until we officially separated. And then I went and got a job because I needed one. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you basically had to reinvent yourself and reestablish a new identity after a separation, which is very commendable. I think that's really hard to do. But in this process, so take us to the moment where your husband told you that he was developing feelings for a coworker. They had cuddled, not much mm -hmm. beyond that. What was the conversation after this? Was it like, did he just say that he wanted to take things to the next level? Or was he just letting you know? Right. So this coworker um, was in an open marriage. And she told oh. him that if he could get me to agree to an open marriage also, then they could explore their feelings together. Mm. So my initial response was, no, I don't want an open marriage. Um, <laughs> we spent maybe three or four months um, we went to a couple therapists. I went to group therapy for women with low libidos. I read a bunch of books. I started wearing makeup and perfume, just like anything I could think of to salvage mm -hmm. our marriage and make myself want sex, which, you know, that's not how you make yourself want sex is forcing, <laughs> right. forcing it to happen. Um, but eventually, he still wanted to open the marriage and he wasn't backing down. So I said, okay. We can try that. Mm. And so I was kind of hoping that he would get together with her once and he'd be like, okay, I did that. Mm. Now I'm ready to come back and be faithful to you. <laughs> mm. But that's not what happened. And so the second time he asked to see her, I kind of lost all my motivation to fix things. It just seemed pointless. Mm. Um, and that's when it kind of, we transitioned into stopping our romantic relationship and trying to figure out a way 
to still make things work so we could parent together because we are good at parenting together. So was that the reason like because I know you said like even when he told you he met someone else you were kind of already feeling like like you know you obviously didn't want to have sex and like you weren't feeling like this was like the best relationship either but was that what kept you going was it really just like to co-parent your children? Definitely co-parenting the children was a lot and just fear of being an independent person because, you know, we got together when I was 18. My whole life being an adult was shared with him, him doing the financial stuff and taking up the garbage, fixing the house. And just the thought of having to do all that by myself was terrifying. And so I kind of Mm -hmm. clung on to whatever marriage I could get, even if it wasn't perfect. I was really afraid to be by myself for a long time. And also it's just the amount of effort to do that too. Right. Because you would have to start over in some ways, but then you're still supporting your family. It's a lot harder to do this in your 40s than it is like in your 20s. You can just pick up and leave and probably like a rental apartment. You're like, whatever. But now your lives are intertwined. I can't even imagine to what it would take to unravel all that time together. You Mm -hmm. you grew up together. You spent your adult life together. It's got to be something um, that you you really got to think hard about. But you made the decision. So was there a moment that made you come to this decision? (laughs) It was pretty gradual. Um, Yeah, we decided to officially separate January of 2019. We didn't agree to divorce for a year more past mm. that. Mm. And it wasn't even like neither of us walked up to the other and said, I want a divorce or I'm ready. I think I just walked over to his side of the duplex and said, so are you ready to start filling out divorce papers? And he was like, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> it was the most anticlimactic divorce moment ever. <laughs> okay, so like you tried to open it. Did you go to therapy or do anything that was like that to try to salvage it before you kind of made that like, okay, we're even separating decision? Yeah, we did a lot. Um, So first we did couples therapy with a sex therapist. Mm. That didn't make me want sex anymore. But it did make me realize that I needed a therapist of my own. Mm. I really, I should have seen a therapist in my 20s. (laughs) (laughs) Therapy's amazing. I I really should have done it a long time ago. (laughs) So I started seeing my own therapist. We took, had a special getaway, just the two of us to try to rekindle things. But it was just too far gone by that point. It was like at least 10 years of not great sex life. It was just Mm. too hard to come back from that. Did you guys like dive into therapy like beyond just sex? But like you were saying like you had different love languages. Like did you go Mm -hmm. in different paths outside of that too? Yeah, we did some more standard couples therapy, read a lot of self-help books. So there's the love languages. um, There was Come As You Are. Right. That book was really helpful for just me feeling like I was normal sexually, like learning about responsive desire versus, um, I can't remember the other word. (laughs) It's all good. It's like spontaneous desire. Spontaneous desire is what you think everybody has. And it turns out a lot of women have responsive sexual desire. And -hmm. I had no idea. And so that's part of the reason why our sex life wasn't working is because we expected me to just be excited to go after taking care of kids all day. And that's not how it works. Yeah, I want to marinate in this for a sec, because I was in a relationship where we didn't have sex for an entire year. And I remember just thinking like, what is wrong with me? Why am I not desirable? Am I desirable to other people? I put a lot of blame on myself. And 
ultimately, I think what happened was there were a lot of hormonal issues with my partner that came with aging that we didn't know much about. So I think we need to go to the doctor to to see kind of the issues with that. I would love to hear from your perspective, Alice, is when your husband tells you he's unhappy with a sex life and you guys are forcing once a month sex, what is going through your head? What do you think is the cause of the problem? Oh, I thought it was all me. Mm. Like, yeah, I had low self-esteem for this whole relationship. And it was just kind of, I felt like, of course, it's my fault. Why can't I be a good Mm. wife? I'm supposed to want sex with my husband. And just that made it even worse. It was kind of a spiral. Like, I'd have these bad feelings around sex. I would Mm. avoid affection with him because I didn't want to get his hopes up. I wouldn't even like act happy around him by the end because I thought he might think, oh, she's happy. Maybe she wants sex tonight. Mm. I just like stuffed myself into this little tiny ball to hide from sex. And it uh, it impacted me in so many different ways. And even just like going to bed at night. Going to bed at night was stressful. Like I couldn't just get mm-hmm. into bed and go to sleep. It would be like, oh, I bet. Oh, no, does he want to have sex tonight? Oh, why, why do I, why am I so bad at this? It was so nice after we separated. And I had my own bed and I got into it and <laughs> there was no pressure. I just went to sleep. It was amazing. <laughs> Wait, but but when you were still married and getting into the same bed, would he try to make a move? Very rarely. Like, okay. He, yeah, he was kind of beaten down and giving up and got not okay. trying, yeah, withdrawn. Like, I totally get why you would like turn inwards on there. But like, was there anything that he was like, okay, this marriage isn't working, like, we need to think we need to go beyond just the physical to like the emotional level? Like, how did that work? So I mean, we did the couples therapy. And he tried, we talked about our love languages. And we tried to show love in the other person's love language. But uh, it just it wasn't enough. Like he bought me flowers. He got me a birthday present for the first time in 10 years. And those were all wonderful, nice things. But I've come to realize recently that one of my love languages is words of affirmation. And I Mm -hmm. hadn't realized that before. My friend with benefits is very good at the words. Oh, yeah. I can't (laughs) wait to get to that. Yes. (laughs) So I feel like maybe I didn't have the full picture on the love languages back when we were trying to fix the marriage. Okay, let's take a quick break from Alice's story to go into some of our sponsors. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. We at Datable are huge fans of therapy, and BetterHelp can match you with your own licensed therapist and connect you in a safe and private online environment. Me, for example, I was able to start communicating with my therapist in less than 48 hours. It was so quick. Now, BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, and it's more affordable than traditional offline counseling. Their licensed professionals specialize in everything from dating trauma, stress, anxiety, trauma with a big T, uh, depression, grief, you name it, they have someone who's an expert in that. We at Datable wish for all of you to live a happy, healthy life. And that's why as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash datable. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp spelled H-E-L-P dot we are so excited to share with you our new podcast, Exit Interview. 
Dates don't usually end with a satisfaction survey, and yet we rate everything in our lives, from Uber drivers to local coffee shops. So why don't we do the same thing when dating? We're here to conduct the ultimate romance review, featuring daters hungry for love who have agreed to call up old flames to gather honest feedback. Welcome to Exit Interview. He upgraded himself to business class while I was in economy. <laughs> Wait, wow. What? There's feedback that will make you cringe. She could be a little bit hard-headed, like not reading the writing on the wall. And feedback that will make you swoon. When she said that she had feelings for you. I had no idea. Really? And maybe you'll learn a thing or two yourself about how you can be a better dater, lover, or partner. Obviously, like, knew I was going to learn something. I didn't expect this. Welcome to Exit Interview. Listen to Exit Interview on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I think that's a lot of couples' issues is that there are things wrong, but we just can't verbalize what is wrong. It's hard for us to really tell our partners what we want, our desires, and what we need. And that's why you build up this resentment because you just haven't been able to verbalize what you're needing. Yes. Communication was not our strong point. We just kind of hid from any uncomfortable subjects in our marriage. Yeah, I remember when when we were talking, you were saying how like you kind of became like relationship experts when you were doing (laughs) reading all the books and doing all that, but it was like too little, too late. Could you kind Mm -hmm. of elaborate more on that? Mm. Yeah, um, the the last two years, I've learned so much about what makes a good relationship, asserting my needs. I'm still working on that part, but mm-hmm. therapy has really helped me kind of let go of my anxiety and talk about what I need, not be afraid to ask for what I want. Learning about responsive desire was a huge thing. Yeah, it was just our desire for each other was gone by that point. We couldn't fix it, unfortunately. It's so interesting because I think sometimes people like think like kind of back to like marriage is the end game that people often think like, oh, people that are married have it all figured out and people that are single are like totally lost. But (laughs) (laughs) I know what I'm gathering from you is like, no, you could totally fall into a marriage and not have the core like relationship skills that holds a marriage together, essentially. Yeah, absolutely. Like at 18 what do you know about maintaining a relationship? Just kind of guessing at it. But so part of this is also my my curiosity around the lack of dating and relationship experience mm-hmm. before getting into this marriage. Do you think that if you two had dated around and had more relationships, like let's say met each other in your late 20s and got married, do you think your marriage would look different today? It would have a better chance of surviving, Mm. but I still feel like our love languages are too different. It would be too much of a change to ask him to verbalize desire, tell me I'm beautiful. That just doesn't come naturally to him. Mm -hmm. But I guess if we put in a lot of work, then maybe it could work. Yeah. You know, it really pisses me off when people say this, that marriage will kill your love life. It's not marriage that kills your love life. (laughs) It's the ramp up to marriage. People did not do the work before they got married. And once they got married, they're like, what the fuck? Like, why (laughs) why is marriage like, why is my relationship like this? So we need to stop blaming the institution of marriage. Marriage did not do this to you, right? Or you like stop. Like you're like, you've done all this work while you're dating. And then Mm -hmm. once you're in that relationship, you're like, oh, true. 
true. I'm done. I got it. And then it's like, no. And I like, we've talked about this with people. They're like, being dateable doesn't stop when you're in a relationship or married. Like, you have to work every day. You can't just be like, yeah, oh, I'm definitely. good. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was definitely, we were comfortable for a long, long time and just stopped putting in the effort to love each other. You know, we just kind of were roommates instead. Right, exactly. But I want to hear about this non-roommate situation, which is your friends with benefits. <laughs> How did we get here? Who is this? I'm dying to know. <laughs> okay. So last fall, I finally found myself wanting human contact and sex. Like for two years, I was just happy not to be obliged to have sex anymore. And then all of a sudden mm. I was like, oh, you know, being with a man might not be so bad after all. <laughs> And I went on Reddit of all places to kind of Reddit where you would go looking for a nice guy. In <laughs> no, that last place I go to look no. for a penis, like the very last place. There's plenty of them there, though. That's true. That's true. Actually, it's a hot tip for people. <laughs> wow. Okay. Please elaborate. There are probably a lot of dudes that are on Reddit. <laughs> Absolutely, there are. So I was just kind of looking around, trying to figure out which dating app was the most popular where I live, and I came across. On Reddit, there are these R for R pages, which is people on Reddit looking for other people, kind of like classified ads. And most of it is like casual sex, one-liners. I probably shouldn't even... I can say anything I want. Oh, you can say anything (laughs) you want, Alice. You go for it. It's a lot of like guys posting, come give me a blowjob on the corner Uh of this street at six o'clock, which that's not what I want at all. (laughs) But I saw this post that was just like a normal guy, a divorced dad who seemed fun. So I reached out to him and we ended up meeting up socially distanced. And then we got together and now we're friends with benefits and it's awesome. How did you go from socially distanced (laughs) to getting together? Alice, give us the details. (laughs) I need the the juicy stuff. Right. So we met up in a park twice. We had ice cream the first time. Oh, how wholesome. Talk (laughs) just to figure out if he was actually like the person that he represented himself as because, Mm. you know, on the internet, who knows anything is possible. Um, And he seemed like a decent person. And so I invited him over to my house and we got together. We hooked up. And the first few times was a little rough just getting to know each other. But after that, it was a really good fit and really good communication. Wow. Well, I mean, what was that like? Because I remember, you know, not after not having sex for over a year with my previous partner and then having sex for the first time again, I felt like a virgin because I was like, do I still remember how to do this? Am I yeah. like, am I going to be good at this? Tell us about the moment that, you know, you became re-virgin-fied. <laughs> <laughs> it was surreal. Just like there was a naked man in my bedroom and it was a man <laughs> who I had not been naked with before. And it was just, this is really happening. Wow. It was uncomfortable, not physically, emotionally uncomfortable the first time mm. or two, just trying to decide if I was making the right choice and was I moving too fast. You know, sex hormones did their job and we started feeling more attached, more connected and just felt easier. And also there's a whole factor. I have a mom body now. Like this was the first person I've been with Mm. since having two children. Mm. My body does not look like it did when I was 18. And I was self-conscious about it. And one Mm. of the things he did that was really great was he asked me what I was self-conscious about. And then he specifically complimented those parts of me. And you know, so like my belly, I have like Mm -hmm. a mom pooch. And the first time he complimented, he was like, oh, I'm a belly guy. I was like, oh, sure, whatever. But he continues to compliment it. And either he's an awesome liar, or he actually (laughs) likes my body the way it is. 
Oh, that's great. That's sexy. I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm like missing some piece of this story. Like, how did you (laughs) go from, you know, like, I don't want to have sex with my husband, looking at it as a chore, Mm. to like going to Reddit and being like, I'm going to like look on the Mm. boards around that. Like, I do have a vagina. That shift. Like, (laughs) how did that happen? When did you find your vagina again? (laughs) Right. I think it was just having a two year break where it wasn't anything I had to do for anybody else. And then it became Mm. something I wanted to do for myself. And also, you know, I think when you're 40, some hormones kick in. Like, this is supposed to be prime of a woman's life. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I thought 30s was the prime, but I'll take 40s being the prime. My my 30s 30s were not, so I'm going for 40s. (laughs) Yeah. After 30. (laughs) It's all uphill from here. Right. Was there anything else that was going on in your life too? Like we always say on the podcast that usually like when you're at a good place for dating and relationship wise, there's usually like other stuff factors going in. Like where were you post separation? Like obviously you get a job now. What does that like do to you? Right. The job was a really good choice and I feel like I should have done it earlier Just because, you know, when I was a stay-at-home mom, my identity was wife and mother. And that was pretty much it. Like, I didn't do my hobbies anymore. I didn't see Mm. friends very much. Um, And getting a job, I've got to interact with the outside world as an adult again Mm -hmm. and just be seen as myself. And it was amazing. It was so good for my mental state to not just be a wife and a mom all the time. So that probably was like a confidence boost on top of like, yeah. yeah. Definitely going out in the world and seeing like men out there and wondering, are they single? Are they interested in me? And just having that option in my mind really helped me get out of my marriage funk. There is something really sexy about having a friends with benefits. You feel like you're 15 again. Mm -hmm. Or I guess, I don't know if 15 year olds have friends with benefits. (laughs) Let's hope not. But Let's say 18. Let's say 18. 18. (laughs) There is something really sexy about that. But I, I am curious to know how you two came upon this arrangement, because you both of you have to agree that this is nothing more than friends with benefits, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, that's kind of a sticking point. We'll see how long it lasts, because mm. he is looking for a new partner, somebody to move in with him and help raise his kids. And that's totally a legitimate thing for somebody to be looking for. And it's not what I'm looking for. I don't want to have a new dad for my children. They have a dad already. I don't want to raise somebody else's kids. I don't want to move in with somebody because I'm having a really good time in my own side of the duplex just living my life right now. So we definitely have different end games, but he wanted to try. I think he he was lonely for human connection and sex too. Mm -hmm. And we've had a good connection. So this is playing it by ear, like see how long this works for both of us. So I don't want to stereotype, but I've noticed (laughs) a lot of times divorced men are like seeking a new partner, like ASAP kind of. And a lot of people in our Facebook group that are women are like, you know what? I was married. I think I'm good now. (laughs) Like, why do you think that is the case? And again, it's not everyone. I don't want to say it's every single person, but it seems to be a recurring theme. Oh, I have my theories. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a stereotype that divorced dads are looking for bang maids is something I've seen, like somebody to have sex with them, take care of their house, take care of their kids. But that hasn't been my experience with, you know, my N equals one data point so far. My friend with benefits, he's got the single dad thing down, like Mm -hmm. he cooks all his meals, takes care of his kids. He doesn't need a helper in that respect. I think he just wants partner, somebody to wake up with in the morning, like, you Mm. know, companionship. So yeah, I think divorced dads get a bad rap sometimes. (laughs) 
Yeah, it, I think it's like the way, at least from my perspective, it's not like necessarily that they're looking for someone to like do like the cooking and cleaning and like stereotypical, but it's like, it's almost like harder to be on your own where I think women mm-hmm. are kind of like thriving a bit like with the independence. That's what I've noticed. Yeah, more. that is a good point. Like I mentioned, I've been on Reddit and I read the dating forums and it seems like a, a good distribution of men not wanting to be alone. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, it is more men being lonely (laughs) on Reddit. Maybe that's just, you know, selection bias. (laughs) Well, that's the thing. You know, a lot of my divorced friends, girlfriends will say, you know what? I'm just fucking tired. Like that's (laughs) literally what it is. The marriage exhausts me. I am completely depleted. I cannot imagine exerting this this kind of energy for anybody else. So I'm just going to take it. I'm going to take a chill pill and just be cool and like smoke weed and just feel good and not be so damn exhausted all the time. Yeah. And again, this is a generalization. Like, obviously, some people are, some people aren't. Like, for men and women, it's not going to be a universal everywhere. What's been your take about, like, getting married again? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm not – I have no intention of getting married again. I'd say once my kids are out of the house, um, I would be open to being in, you know, live in relationship with somebody, waking up in the morning with them. Like, that. that does sound nice. But right now I'm enjoying my freedom a lot. <laughs> I mean, I would think some of it is like feminism too, that like for so long we were kind of like told like we can't do this on our own. There's something very empowering about like being on your own. But then I guess the question I would have for you is like, how does that come in as now being like this, the, I know you are sharing, you know, the parenting duties, but like, how does that come in with your children? One perception I would have is that it could be challenging to be a single parent. Do you feel mm-hmm. like this is your situation or do you feel like it's actually easier or better than it was before? I think it's better. And I don't know fair for me to call myself a single parent because I have so much mm-hmm. support. Like mm-hmm. the father of my children is right next door helping take care of them every day. So it kind of feels different than somebody who's living on her own, taking care of mm-hmm. the kids, what, like 13 out of 14 days a month. But it's better for me because when I was a stay-at-home mom, I cooked pretty much all the dinners. I did all the emotional labor. And now we've split it pretty much 50-50. Like mm-hmm. I do four nights a week dinner. He does three nights a week. Um, he takes kids to their doctor's appointments. So it's just a lot more equal and a lot better for me. And mm-hmm. I he seems to be okay with it too, which is great. And now that burden is sort of alleviated. Do you see your soon-to-be ex-husband in a different way? Do you feel like there could be hope for reconciliation? No. I mean, that's done. (laughs) You're like, no, no, no. She's like, let me be real here. (laughs) I don't see any chance for romantic reconciliation. And I don't think he wants that either. He's seen the coworker. He's been seeing her for three years. Oh, They're happy. Like, we're good romantically. We're done. Mm. I mean, I respect him as a person and the way he's growing from this change in our relationship. I'm really impressed. Like, he's taking on new skills just like I am. And it's pretty awesome to see that. Do you guys, like, sit down and hang out? And, like, (laughs) are you, like, friends? Or is it more, like, sharing parent duties? Yeah, I wouldn't say we're quite friends. We don't ever hang out just the two of us. But Mm -hmm. we have friendly conversation during dinner when the kids are there. But I'd say we're more like co-workers at the job of raising our kids together. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) I mean, the one like petty thing I think I might have is like resentment of like, oh, you can share the labor now, but you couldn't do it back then. Does that ever cross your mind? Are you just like, I'm good? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not, not really, because... 
I think I brought, I never asked for him to share when we were in our Mm. standard marriage. I kind of took it all on myself. I didn't expect him to do any of it. So I don't feel like I can be resentful now because I didn't ask for it. If I had, Mm -hmm. he probably would have willingly split things Mm. up more. Got Mm -hmm. it. That's the key right there. And then do you guys talk about each other's love lives? No. Does he know? (laughs) Does he know about your friends with benefits? (laughs) He knows. Just on the basic level, like, oh, I'm going to lock the door between the units tonight because my friend is coming over. Like, get the kids over there before bedtime. They can't come over after. But no, we don't. We don't talk about the details. <laughs> like, do you put a sock on the door, yeah. too? Like, really no, don't come it's in college dorm again. <laughs> the, the door between our units, each side has a lock. It's kind of like a hotel door where oh, I see. you can it's lock it on either side. Dual door. Got it. Yes. I see. I see. Okay. So that makes a lot the door, more sense. I turn on the white noise machines upstairs and downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope for the best. Hope for the best. So I take it you don't want your friends with benefits and his polyamorous uh, girlfriend coming to like Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> you know, we're we're making progress. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so my husband's girlfriend, that's a weird phrase. It's so weird to say. <laughs> yeah. But it is 2021. Anything goes. Right. So she comes to visit. She lives in California. So it's a long distance relationship. Oh, okay. She comes to visit him maybe every three to six months. And I've I met her six months ago. Oh. And so, you know, it's not not like I'm sitting on the other side of the door hating her. We're civil. And I feel like in time it could evolve to us all having holidays together. I'm not mm-hmm. quite there yet, but it, we're going in the right direction. What do you tell your kids, especially about her when she comes and visits? And I, yeah. also about your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so they know that their dad is a girlfriend and I have a boyfriend and they like to tease us about that. Like, ooh, mom has a boyfriend. You love him. <laughs> but I try to be honest at an appropriate level for their ages. I don't like to keep things from them or treat them like they can't understand things. She comes over, they go over and have meals with her and they play D&D. They love playing D&D with her. Dungeons and Dragons. For oh, yeah, I was like, like what's D&D? D&D? Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, she's just, she's another friend who comes over and they know that she's their dad's girlfriend and they don't seem bothered by it. They know that we're getting divorced, but it's not going to affect their lives. They still get to live with both of us. So it's cool. Do they know what divorce means? Yeah. They do. I mean, I think they've picked it up, you know, from school, TV, books, like they have this idea of, you know, stereotypical divorce. And I think that kind of made them nervous when we started talking about separation and divorce, like, are we still going to get to see both of you guys? And so we've done a lot of explaining, we're still a family, we're still going to live together, and just trying to reassure them that their lives aren't going to change that much. It's just what their dad and I call each other is going to change. Ex-husband, ex-wife. Wait, I need more details about this duplex. Did you guys <laughs> live here before and like put up a wall or did you like move into it after you decided to separate and like it was set up for two people essentially? Right. So we moved into it after we separated. <laughs> okay. um, it's a side-by-side duplex. So it's fair for both of us. It's not like one person gets a little bit and the other person gets a big house. It's the same on both sides. And when we moved in, we 
had a door put into the wall between the units so the kids didn't have to go around to the front door every time they wanted to Mm. switch sides. Got it. From your children's perspective, like when you told them that, hey, we're going to be separating or divorcing. So they basically moved to this duplex. Like what else changed? You guys still eat dinners together and stuff? Yep. We still eat dinners together. Um, So we do holidays together. Um, My husband gets the Christmas tree on his side. I get the stockings on my side and (laughs) we have each other over for Christmas breakfast and Christmas Eve dinner. Yeah. So not too much has changed for them. They're even at the same school. We are able to stay in the same school Mm. zone. So basically the only difference is at the end of the night, you go to your room and your husband goes to his room. Yep. Pretty much. My husband and I don't interact as much as we used to. We're welcome in each other's side of the duplex, like to go tell the kids to do their homework or whatever. But it's definitely trying to give each other as much space as possible. Do they have Mm -hmm. two rooms? Like, do they have a room on your duplex and a room on theirs? They do. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) This sounds like a sweet deal. Yeah. (laughs) Are there some nights that like you eat dinner with just them and he eats dinner with just them? We eat dinner together every night so far. And I don't know if it's going to keep being like that or we'll eventually kind of separate gradually more and more but for right now it's it's easier not to have to make two dinners every night <laughs> logistically <laughs> that makes sense i guess if you're having dinner date with your friends with benefits then maybe not but <laughs> we have never had a dinner date he's always with his kids <laughs> <laughs> got it got like it he only comes over at 2 a.m i'm just for a little booty that. call yep <laughs> <laughs> He goes through the back door, though. So. <laughs> right, right, right. He doesn't have side door privilege. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Do you think that obviously things are going to change and you've already anticipated this? What are some things that you're anticipating already? For example, what if you stay over? at his place. So you're Mm -hmm. staying over for the week or something. What do you tell the kids? Stuff like that. Right. So I have stayed over at his place, not for the week, just for overnight um, when the kids were sleeping on their dad's side for the night. And I think maybe they knew I was staying over at my friend's house. Like, you know, sleepover, it's cool. They're not quite (laughs) old enough to understand what that entails. Right. They Mm -hmm. don't, they're not even sure if we kiss each other. And I, I don't want (laughs) to, that's enough information for them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, you but, just cuddle. Yeah, just right? all yeah, cuddle. Exactly. Just cuddle. All the time. <laughs> I feel like that's a good amount of being away from my kids right now. And I think as they get older and they're teenagers, I could see myself staying over at a friend's house, maybe hanging out with his kids if it was that kind of relationship. And I think once my kids graduate, I would be open to living with somebody full time, maybe not mm. getting married again, but having a more standard relationship. While my kids are here, it's easier to stay like we are right now in the duplex. Got it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, obviously, you said earlier, part of getting divorced is because people don't want to date people that are separated. Like, are you looking to date now and form more of like a relationship? Or are you still in the place like, I don't want that commitment? Right. I'm not looking for a full on relationship right now. I'm happy with companionship and sex Mm -hmm. and not being super entangled in each other's lives. Casual dating. Yeah. I think my default setting is to like form a strong connection with somebody and kind of really mesh our lives together. That's I can feel a part Mm -hmm. of myself wanting to do that with my friend with benefits. That's not the right thing for where I am right now. Like I'm happy Mm. raising my kids next door to my soon to be ex husband. And yeah, just keeping it monogamously casual right now. (laughs) What does your family think of it? 
They think it's cool. Yeah. I mean, my parents got divorced when I was a teenager and had a amicable relationship with holidays together. So I'm just kind of carrying on the family tradition a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Passing on the torch. So we have like a wide variety of listeners. And I'd be curious to hear some advice that you might give them given your experience. So like maybe the first group are people that are currently in a marriage that may not be fulfilling to them. Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for those people if you could kind of like, you know, go back in time for yourself? Um, Therapy for Mm -hmm. you together and for you individually is a really important starting point. Learning about spontaneous desire versus responsive desire. Just reading books to understand yourself and how you interact with your partner. I think those Mm -hmm. are very important. And communication. So don't think you're educated just because you're in a relationship, basically. Right. (laughs) Always be learning, yeah. And then Mm -hmm. what about we have a subset of listeners that are like dying to get married and just can't find the right person. And, you know, maybe they're hitting a certain age where they feel they should be married, but they're not yet. What is your advice for them? I think make sure that you've worked on yourself sufficiently and that you can kind of bring a whole person to the marriage and not looking for somebody to complete you and kind of Mm -hmm. fill in the gap of where you're missing part of yourself. Like, and I'm still working on that myself. I I don't think I'm like a whole so too super awesome person who's ready for a new relationship. But yeah, just kind of don't expect somebody to fix you in a relationship. Mm. And then probably the last subset is what about those people that are recently coming out of a divorce or separation? What advice would you have for them? I would say go have fun. Don't try to jump into another marriage track relationship. Just mm. like get to know yourself one-on-one and just, you know, date around a little bit. I have one more group of people. It's <laughs> the people who are in a marriage but are feeling tempted by a coworker, mm. a friend, someone they met recently. You as the spouse who went through this situation, what is some advice you give to that person who is debating whether they tell their spouse or not and not sure what to do in that situation? Definitely tell your spouse as soon as you're feeling the feelings hopefully before you act on them and approach it with just as much integrity as you can. Like the reason I can still be living next door to my husband is because he's a really good guy and he treated me with respect throughout this whole transition. Mm. And so I can respect him back and we can still work together. And I feel like if he'd gone behind my back and lied to me, that things would have turned out very differently. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Right. Wow. <laughs> that was that was quite a story. <laughs> it was more than I thought it would be. So thank you for your honesty and openness to sharing all of that. Um, should we yeah. go to some takeaways, Julie? Let's do it. I feel like now's a good time. So I was like jotting down all the things I was learning about. And one of the main takeaways for me is relationships don't end. And I think mm-hmm. that's the reason why they're called relationships is that you're constantly relating to the other person. Yeah. So when we think about the end-all, be-all relationship, especially for a lot of our single listeners right now who feel like if I'm in a relationship, all is good and well, it's not necessarily the truth. It's just that you're opening up a different chapter. It doesn't mean things stop. and doesn't mean things 
are just magically going to be better. So I think we got to think about like this idea that being dateable is not just about being single and dating, but you got to date your spouse too. I like this idea of figuring out your own way of doing things. And I really think you, Alice, have pioneered something that is, to me, I think it's super creative and progressive, but also it's done with integrity for your partner and your kids. And I really love the fact that you've, you've balance your own personal needs because now you're getting some you got you got yourself (laughs) some stuff going on there (laughs) with the needs of your family and I think so many people are stuck in marriages because they're like what do I do with my kids and all the family obligations and you found a way to do both not that not that this doesn't come with challenges. Absolutely, there are going to be challenges down the road as well. But you found a really creative way of carving out a situation for you that works, at least for the time being. And I, I think it's just really inspiring to hear that. Agreed. Yeah, I think my biggest takeaways, a couple of them is one, I think this is not to quote of um, Sex in the City, but I'm gonna do it. Is like, the, <laughs> you know, like the best relationship you could have is with yourself. And yes. if like anyone else is second to that, then wonderful. And I think ultimately, it sounded like yes, of course, there was another woman in the picture, but there was more going on in your relationship. And mm-hmm. a lot of it was that you weren't happy with where you were and like yourself and like, you felt like you were kind of like, like succumbing to this relationship and putting yourself second. Mm-hmm. And um, I think like, it sounds like you start to really thrive when you did put yourself first and you had that like, you know, working environment again and being surrounded by friends and family. And I think sometimes people think like, oh, when I'm getting into a relationship, that's all I'm going to focus on. And anytime we put that much emphasis away from ourselves, like there becomes resentment that builds in like other things. So I do think like, regardless of your relationship, status, like always making time. One of our favorite terms in our um, community is called master dating. So it's like going on (laughs) dates by yourself. And I think like we've heard from people that are married in the group too. It's like still make time to master date on your own (laughs) or masturbate, whatever you want to do. But you know, it's like you need that alone time to like really be like, who am I as a person, not who am I as a couple? So I think that's my biggest takeaway. But the other one, is grass is always greener like I feel like mm-hmm. we're like kind of what you were saying you it's like when I get into a relationship all my problems will be solved or nope. like I'll be good and it's yeah. like you know it doesn't work that way and I think sometimes like we think that people have it so much better than us and you see on social media certain things and you just don't get a realistic glimpse into all the hard work that comes with marriage not saying that like I I do one day want to be married so I'm not like a downer of marriage but like I think a lot of people do look at it as like the wedding and not what happens after the wedding and ultimately like that's when the work begins it's not like the end goal and then you're just like oh hands off nothing to do at that point i personally believe married people should stop giving dating advice i think married people are the worst with dating <laughs> advice i think the people who are the best at dating advice are those who've navigated through a divorce because i think they've <laughs> learned the most so Probably. i'm just gonna put that out there okay you married people you do you do not have it all figured yeah. out yeah 
<laughs> or I think also, too, it's like sometimes we're like, oh, my God, why am I going on this endless loop of dates? But ultimately, like that does help you get to know yourself and communicate and what you're looking for. And like all of this is like practice for, you know, that person that comes for you. Like sometimes like you just need the time and getting to know yourself, your styles and relating to others that like even if it's the shortest relationship ever or a friends with benefits situation that can really like propel you forward. Absolutely. I'm learning so much in this relationship right now. I love it. I love it so much. And I love when you said it feels so great getting into my own bed. <laughs> and it feels yeah. so great having my own space. That's something I think a lot of single people take for granted. Like totally. look around right now and just kiss your walls, kiss your bed, kiss your door because that is yours. You're not sharing that. It is something that you you got to share once you're in a relationship, but it's really beautiful and empowering to have your own yep. space. I wish as society, we just stop being like marriage is the end game and just like accept people for where they're at. Because I think there's pros and cons to everything. Like when people are like complaining about being single, I'm always like, okay, what can you do now that you're not going to be able to do when you have children or you are married, like the bed example, or there's so many other examples of things that actually freaking rock when you're single. And instead of like complaining about it, kind of like embrace what's good in that state and then also what's good when you are in a partnership it's not either right one is right or wrong they're just different and alice i think you inspired something in all of us where i think there is there's something to this side-by-side duplex even for (laughs) married people i think it could work imagine in a marriage yes you have your own space your spouse has their own space and then you have a shared space where you share the responsibilities and every night it could be really sexy to be like you want to come over and sleep over at my place or should i sleep over your place Mm -hmm. i think this is a fantastic idea once you have kids you can build it out where the kids can have multiple places to play and you still keep your own identity in your own place. So I think you're onto something here, yeah, not just for divorces. You, I agree. And like, I've had partners that snore really loud yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that, like our relationship. And I'm like, God damn it. I want to be in this bed by myself because I want to be able to get a good night's so sleep. So having true. that option in the duplex would be freaking amazing. So true. <laughs> and it'd be just sexy, like sneak into each other's places at like 3 a.m., you know? <laughs> This is the new way of living, the duplex. (laughs) The side-by-side duplex. We'll call it the Alice. We'll just name it after you. (laughs) Well, thank you so much again for sharing your story. Uh, It was so great to to hear it from your side because hearing the full story is really wonderful. And for anybody listening right now, um, for us to get great guests like Alice, it's really our awesome reviews because I think once people see that we are legit and we have great reviews and they're like, okay, I'm I'm okay opening myself up to these two women. So if you can help us out, get more great guests just like Alice, go on Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review say a little nice thing or two and we will show the love back by giving you more awesome content each week after week and if you want to learn more about us if you're a new listener welcome welcome just go to datablepodcast.com awesome okay we're gonna wrap this up The Dateable Podcast is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. Want to continue the conversation? First, follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter with the handle at Dateable Podcast. 
Tag us in any post with the hashtag StayDateable and trust us, we look at all of those posts. Then head over to our website, datablepodcast.com. There you'll find all the episodes as well as articles, videos, and our coaching service with vetted industry experts. You can also find our premium Y series where we dissect, analyze, and offer solutions to some of the most common dating conundrums. We're also downloadable for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Overcast, Stitcher Radio, and other podcast platforms. Your feedback is valuable to us, so don't forget to leave us a review. And most importantly, remember to stay dateable. 